there's not a roadmap for how to become a CSO or a CISO or a security leader because we're still very much a uh, profession that's dynamically changing with the times as we move through these different iterations of technologies and iterations of, of operating models. I'm Steve Moore, and today I sit down with Lamont Orange, Chief Information Security Officer at Netscope. Lamont and I talk about the unique differences between working as a CISO for a private company versus doing it on the vendor side of things, securing a cybersecurity organization, if you will. As cybersecurity becomes entrenched in the business cycle, other business functions have expanded their interactions with security teams. That said, the understanding of what a CISO does hasn't always followed the same trajectory. How do we as security professionals help our organizations interact with our security teams and help them understand the role we play in an increasingly at-risk world? So Lamont, welcome to the show. Um, if you would, uh, tell everyone uh, who, who are you and uh, where do you work and what do you do? Great. Um, my name is Lamont Orange. I am the Chief Information Security Officer for Netscope. And essentially what that means is that I, I center all the security activity for the organization across our internal operations, our products, and our back office operations. And a little bit about myself, I, I have 20 plus years of experience within the cybersecurity community, all the way from consulting to running at, at larger uh, corporations and companies, all the way through working on the product side of things. So security at a security company is one of the most interesting jobs that I've ever had because it's everyone there is an expert in security. So it takes a lot of uh, centering of the activity and even gravitating towards a course of how you're going to security organization and instituting a level of, of maturity around flexibility because you are working with a bunch of security professionals and choosing a path forward. So definitely lots of experience there. And uh, no, I, I think that's great. So one thing that, that I think some of the listeners might appreciate, it is a different thing, as you noted, to be a CISO for a software company for a vendor than doing it maybe on the private side. If you would, describe what that's like, because there might be a CISO out there considering the shift. What is a major difference between the two? Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I think that when you're inside of a company, you know, there's this, what is security and what do they do? It tends to be more of the, the black box that you submit a request to and you hope something comes out. Generally, when you're inside of a company or you're with highly technical people, in the technology side of the house, but you're trying to communicate all these great and cool things that you're doing from a security perspective to business tech uh, folks that just may not understand what are you doing? Because at the end of the day, they're just going to come back to that normal question of, are we secure? Are we doing the right things? And, and hey, I heard that our competitor was doing this, or I heard that a person or a company in our vertical was doing these things. Why aren't you doing those things? When you come to the, the vendor side and the product side of the house, well, first of all, everybody's speaking the same language. So there's no language barrier. Uh, you get the opportunity to show all of your security chops and acumen 
And hopefully you're, you're also in a position where you are, are bringing the business along and how you layer that security acumen. The, what we really need to do from a, a product plan, uh, standpoint, you know, what are our security leaders looking for and technology leaders looking for? So you have a, a very much a direct line into change and solving the problems that really need to be solved. Where, and uh, again, contrasting with an organization, it's everybody's opinion and no one knows really what you're talking about. Now, Lamont, is there a negative to that, right? Certainly it sounds like you have more understanding and probably more cooperation. Is there a downside or a, another sort of negative difference between you know, doing this for a private organization versus, let's say, a software or an application company? No, I don't think there's a downside at all. Matter of fact, I encourage everyone to spend time in both worlds because when you're working for a company, you're in a particular vertical. So you have ground floor opportunity to understand all the challenges, whether they're business challenges, technology challenges, people challenges. You, you really get to understand the industry in which you're working and serving so that when you decide and if you decide to go over to a, a product side or vendor side, that you can add validity to the, and, and I'll say value to what the company is actually doing and what they believe the problems are. You lived it in that particular vertical. And some things just transcend all verticals, right? But you would not have that experience if, the, if your only time has been spent on a vendor side. It's always what you think it is versus what it really is because you've lived it. How did you get your start? Because it's a, it's a pretty big leap. You know, when I joined, Exabeam, some people were thinking I would have stayed kind of on the other side, and it was a bit of a surprise simply because it is a departure. How did you get your start? What led you into the other side? So again, I had so a variety of experiences. I, I've uh, had the opportunity to serve in, in a consulting capacity to organizations. So again, that gave me more of that, that multi-vertical, multi-industry perspective and one piece of that, when you're a consultant, you generally draw up all the things that a company or a department team needs to do and execute on, and then you go away. You never get to see it grow up. So from there, I, I wanted to get back and go to an organization, actually, where I got to grow something that was already, that was planned out, and I get to build it from the ground up, watch it grow, and watch it be something really valuable and, and a differentiation to the, for the business. And I'll say differentiator more so to the business. And after I, I sat in that stint for quite some time, I also wanted to see, you know, what the opportunities were on the vendor side, because it seemed very intriguing. Opportunity was presented to me and seemed very intriguing. It seemed very different from a practitioner standpoint, because now I was going to a security company at that time. And what I found, again, in, in some of the earlier comments was that Hey, the language barrier doing that, this is awesome. The language barrier is gone. We all speak the same language. Now the, the challenge became, and not necessarily as much of a challenge, but it was an opportunity to take all of that industry expertise and all of that business knowledge that I, that I gathered from being into those different verticals and, and different companies and apply it to a way where I get to lead the vendor side into understanding that these are really what, this is what really happens in business. And these are some of the, the real challenges, although it may be a cool feature to have into the product, it doesn't provide the security leader or the technology team is really any value. 
So I felt like I was actually more in the fight of security and being more of the change agent than I actually was when I was in a company. So that kind of intrigued me too. And the excitement of not necessarily having the same day twice was also a plus. And what I mean by that is it's somewhat of if, if you're always looking to be part of something bigger than yourself, meaning that, you know, in most companies, you're not, you know, you're not saving any lives, you're not doing all that type of thing, but to, and you're affecting one company. But when you're on the vendor and product side, you get to affect masses of companies. You get to interact with so many different thought leaders and, and cool people, and, and you're becoming one yourself. And you get to make the industry better from the solutions and tools perspective that we have to offer, but you're also growing people's career at the same time, discussing the path that you've gone through. I love that. Growing people's career. One growth element, I think for me, joining this side, you know, I had the opportunity to do not only meet, meet a lot of people, but do many more presentations and work even more on my public speaking, which we can all improve on. You have an outward facing role as well. Did you feel like you know, you've done consulting and done a lot of things over the last 20 years, but do you feel like a role like this because you're out mingling and you're out presenting and people are asking for your opinions? Do you think that sharpened that area uh, of your skill set as well? Do you think that's a benefit that you received from this type of job? I think it's absolutely a benefit. I, a little about myself. I mean, we probably wouldn't know it today with people that talk to me and and that we we have these types of, of one-on-one sessions, I'm very much introverted. So this was an opportunity, too, for me to a, a explore the other side <laughs> of, of my personality. And, you know, when you're inside of a company, you may not always get the opportunity to speak in front of groups and, and, and teams, or it's really just close-knit. You know, you maybe have five, six, eight people. But when you're on the vendor side and, and, and have the fortunate opportunity of, of having an external facing role while practicing security, you get to speak to the masses. Mm -hmm. So if you weren't very good at it, you will get good at it over time. and You may even become great at it. That's something that has been a real benefit. And I know I encounter very accomplished CISOs that don't get the ability. They're not allowed, in fact, to present. Uh, publicly. And I think that's a, a real setback for their career. It puts them in a situation where they're in fact can be even nervous because they, they haven't exercised that, that muscle. So a little of this can go a long way. And I think you and I both have a pretty full dose of it, which is a great thing, or at least I enjoy it. And it sounds like you do too. Yeah, I, I would definitely urge those uh, security leaders. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that versus CISOs because there are, there are many leaders out here that may not have that title, but I'll say security leaders in general, work with your companies, find these opportunities to speak. There's just so much goodness in it that helps you grow as a professional also. And, and there's so many lives that you can touch from a career perspective and making a difference in how we deal with our adversaries. So, and I totally agree with you. There's just so many great and accomplished folks and even though they're not able to speak, we need to help find a way and help give them a voice because they have so much to share because they are very accomplished. One quick point on that to kind of further back that up. Many people are afraid that they don't have anything sort of smart enough to talk about. Like, what would I share? What, what do I know? I'm not, 
I'm not good enough. And that seems pervasive in the conversations I have. And my answer to that is, first off, if nothing else, talk about where you have struggled. So what's a project that failed or where did you fail? And even though that's not the most comfortable, it's something that no one can take from you because it's yours to own. No one's going to come over your shoulder and say, well, you didn't, that's not your failure because it is yours. Lessons learned and whether it's a project or a rollout or time that you messed up, I found that that's a a great starting place for an aspiring leader or or a current leader, manager, director, that kind of thing. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? No, I think you, you're hitting home with some, some great points. I think that there's always something to share. And even when I talk to, especially when you're trying to affect the pool of the up and coming resources, the main question that they really have is how did you get here? How, what path did you take? There's not a roadmap for how to become a CSO or a CISO or a security leader because we're still very much a uh, profession that's dynamically changing with the times as we move through these different iterations of technologies and iterations of, of operating models. So it's, it's good to share that story because even though that, you know, there may be a, a, a up and coming security professional that says, well, I'm on the path, you know, they don't know if they're on the path or not, but after talking to you, I feel like I'm on the path. And I think another great thing is that we have to have this, this ability of self-examination and sometimes talking to, to uh, people and sharing our stories also helps us with the self-examination. And it gets to some of those lessons learned. You know, what did you learn from when you were fresh out of college and getting into security? If it was even called security then, maybe it was just IT. Right, right. What did you learn as you progressed through security? You know, and it, it shows that there's a human side to this. Yep. I hit some brick walls. I had a great mentor or I didn't. I wish I had one, you know, at that time. And I think talking about your failures, we're not perfect. So we don't need to keep recreating the same mistakes and, and reliving the same mistakes over and over and over again. Again, we're all fighting the same fight. We may be fighting it in different industries, but we're all fighting the same, looking for the same outcomes. So to know that, you know, I never had a great experience with, with data classification. And, you know, that may probe, well, how did you go about it? And they said, well, we're going down the same path. I'm hitting the same problems. Well, I can tell you on the other side of it, it doesn't work and it becomes a failed process. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's amazing how I think we share well in this community in some ways, and we're still figuring out how to do so in others. Like people are quick to share you know, indicators, uh, hashes and things, but they're less likely to share kind of the human advice I found. Maybe in some private settings, but not at scale. No, we have to do it better. When you look at our adversaries, they're definitely sharing. They don't care. They, they talk about the, the latest way they use and abuse this piece of software, use and abuse this company's infrastructure and assets and how they got all the people in their company to do certain things by doing the, the, the specific tactic. But we need to do somewhat of the same thing. This is what was effective with this particular adversary. This was what was effective in this particular vertical because of, you know, this is how we do business. And this is what's effective if you're inside of this particular organization. This, if, you're, if you're organizationally structured in this way, then this will be some of the gaps that you have to look out for because everybody's in their kingdom and thiefdom. You know, some of those types of conversations are priceless and we need to figure out a way to have more of them. 
I completely agree. I think that, you know, kind of in line with that, last time we spoke, we were trying to think of, you know, what do we want to cover together on this on this show? And generically, change management came up, but maybe more uh, direct is how to make change, how to, as an individual, as a, as a security leader, as you'd say, making change in an organization. So I think to start off, you know, what is your What's your definition of that change management or making change? I mean, what, why was that something that you wanted to, to, to cover today? Because I think it's something that's, that's left out. It's something that we learned many, many years ago. Um, and whether we move to a different city, whether we, we move to a different college, university, you know, whether we move to a different company throughout our career, it all centered around change. And then as we grew up in technology, change management took on another definition, right? Which kind of clouded the definition that we always grew up on, that there will be changes in life and you'll have to adapt to them. Well, we, we turned it into there'll be changes in infrastructure, there'll be changes in operating model, and there's a board that we have to go through to get the, the changes approved, and then we implement those changes. And I think if we start going back to fundamentals and what's happening in cybersecurity, what's happening with the role of the CISO and the CSO and just all the technology players, we, we are back to the, the basic definition of change management, which I think we've forgotten, is that not only do we have to adapt to change, we have to embrace it for what it brings. We have to look forward to what the positives are with this change. And then we have to demonstrate to others why this change was either good or, or not the best plan of attack. And then we adjust to that change or adapt to it and create a, another path off of it. But it's all based on change. And I'm hopefully I'm being clear to the, to the audience out there is that change is a good thing. You don't want to have a stagnation in anything that you do because it either becomes bore, boring or you become complacent. And what this is showing us is that our industry is neither boring or complacent. It's very dynamic, and we need to figure out how to manage that. Well, let's let's take a kind of a detour briefly. A, do you think that security programs or, or security leaders, I should say, do not look at the positives enough? And B, uh, do you think security teams are often just sort of stagnant or complacent? How often do you see either of those conditions? So not not excited about the positive enough, and and as part of that, maybe uh, stagnant in terms of what they're excited about doing. Do you see those? I do see that out in in some programs that you know you go back to doing what you always did and expecting it to work in this this environment of change. And we, we all know that you know Einstein told us that the, the the definition of insanity was keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. So given that we have all these different dynamics changing, if we do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, well, the environment and the environment which we're working in is actually changing. So we can't get the same result, whether it was good or bad or indifferent. So we, we have to kind of dissect that, right? And say that we need to get excited because change may also mean that there's a new start and it's a time for a fresh start. How often do you get a fresh start? Not very often, but, but we can in cybersecurity because the paradigm does change. So we need to get excited about that and not necessarily 
complacent with it or are, I would say, distressed about it, about all the things that it brings. Well, all the bad things that it may bring, or all the more work that it brings. Well, it brings an opportunity for us to gain influence and gain authority. It, br- it brings an opportunity for us to really be part of the, the business flow. And basically all businesses are in, in business to make money. So you're getting closer to the order to cash process as well. So these are the changes where we where we may not have been able to go to in, in, in past models. So I, I, I do see that there, there is a struggle with change. We don't like to change as humans. We like to stay with what we're comfortable with. What are some things that, in terms of from an excitement perspective, that you see in general? Maybe not everybody has those opportunities, but in general, you talk about being excited and embracing change. What are some good examples, some good indicators to kind of clarify for the listener? What you're excited about what? So I'm excited about, say, movement to, to cloud. And, and again, I work for a cloud. I work for an organization that provides a, a cloud security platform. But what I'm excited about, and when I say the movement to cloud, is that for the industry as a whole, it's a new operating model. We've so long looked at all of these different solutions that we've cobbled together to keep filling gaps of whatever the threat landscape brought to us. With this movement, now we get to take a fresh look. And if we are at a point where we have a seat at the table, we get to walk with the business and actually consult with them and talk to them about what this, this new paradigm that they want to go into will really bring. And with our fresh look, we can say that, hey, we're, we're really looking to enable you. And what enable you means is that we're going to be able to take away some of this friction because we don't have all of these different hoops and, and um, different control frameworks and and uh, the whole let's lock it down mentality anymore. We know that you need to be open. And now we need solutions. We need to look for those solutions that will enable the openness. And so that's the other thing that I'm excited about is that we're, we're, we're finally going to reach that. Uh, let me stop there. <laughs> sure, sure. So we can. So no, no, I think I think that's a there's a ton to cover there. And I think it's a good place uh, to, to, to stop. But I, what would you say? What advice would you have? Let's say I, I am uh, the CISO or a security leader, and my company has gone to the cloud without me, meaning there's already operations and I, didn't, I wasn't either aware of it or maybe it already happened and I'm the new CIS. So what advice, I mean, what, what advice do you have there? Because I'm sure you've encountered that. Yeah, so I think from, uh, you got to build relationships. A part of this changing is building relationships. I would say if we go back to how we operated before, security was a dictator in a lot of ways. And we all know through our history what happens to dictators. They tend to lose their dynasty and people going without them, they'll never be forgotten, but all of their mistakes are usually very visible to us, right? And, you know, we, we talk about the sins of the past and security, and we see some of that, what being a dictator uh, provides you. I think you, we need to, pretty simple, just keep it simple. Security needs to be a friend of the business. It needs to be a partner to the business. And we need to build those relationships in order to show how we can, what I'll call not be a pimple in the path of progress, but be that progress, be that innovator and progress. Because normally, um, if, if we don't, we're going to be part of that, that, that change agent that just institutes chaos in the business. And no one wants complication and chaos. And they tend to just go around you. The business will go around you, figure out a way to make you non-existent. 
And then when something happens, you are generally going to be the one at fault because you did not make it something that they can consume. So one thing you hit on there, uh, I often said earlier in my career, I had to work much more on influence, even if I had some authority, that it was an an influence-driven discussion, which comes from friendships and understanding and and sort of the relevance there. Any difference there that that you see between sort of that authority and influence and any other thoughts you have that that you see, especially as it relates to the, the movement to the cloud? I think we need to shift. See, authority is what we thought we needed, and we've always thought we needed. And and either we felt we had it or didn't have it. Authority to make change, authority to put this solution in place, authority to tell the business what to do and not to do, authority to tell them how we're going to do it. I think it's the dynamic is definitely changing to influence. Influence is much stronger, in my opinion, than than authority, because when you breed influence through an organization. Basically, you're creating emissaries of the division and emissaries of, and you're getting consensus around that this is how we need to move forward. And once you get the spirit of how you want to move forward and making sure all decisions map to that, well, you won't have to use your authority. Authority is something that's that's used very sparingly at that point. And then when you use your authority, and say this absolutely has to be done, no other way around it, and you make that ultimatum, is very well respected because they understand you use it sparingly versus using it as a way to lead an organization or lead the security discipline within a business. So what advice, do you see a difference between a large organization and smaller organizations that may be new to the concept of security and certainly maybe new where to cloud so in the, in the theme of change management, making change, being an ambassador uh, and not a dictator, do you see a difference there in the conversations you have and what advice do you have there? So large organization making change versus let's maybe focus on the smaller organization that's new to cloud, new to security. How does, are those conversations different? Is there different challenges there that you see or, or not? I think the conversation is the same. I think challenges are different. In some cases, the larger the organization, the more politics, the more structure around. We've always done it this way. So there's more teachable moments that have to be identified and teach that organization, team, individual, why you're looking at it from this particular perspective. In smaller companies, I think the there's less politics in, in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, less politics. There are more consolidated functions in one or two individuals, right, which makes it easier to influence across those teams because given your response, the level of responsibility, you have built-in influence. And uh, I I think the other component that goes with that is that in in a lot of cases, the smaller companies are more nimble, too. Mm -hmm. So the conversation is, is very, very different. Well, I'd say the conversation is the same. But I think the way you go about it, the tactics you use to get things done and, and develop that influence are, are different. Is there such thing, a little bit of a departure here, is there such thing as career change management? Uh, we, I kind of had that as something we talked about earlier, but is, is, is there such thing as that? And if, if so, uh, how would you define that related to your career? Yeah, I, I absolutely think there's career change management. When, when you look at the CISO and the CSO community, you may find that some of them really have business backgrounds. They may have financial backgrounds. They don't have the traditional, what I'll call traditional computer science, 
type background, IT background, because they at some point wanted to depart or their job became more digitally focused and un- and started to undergo some sort of transformation as well. And they ended up inheriting responsibility for security and later did studying and, you know, continued to develop themselves in the profession and later became that security leader. So I absolutely think there's there's pivot points and pivot points are caused by some disruption in the way we we do things. And in this case, it will be the way businesses are bringing products, services and solutions to market. They're causing disruptions across many of the functions. Every function in the business now has some sort of electronic medium, no matter where you are, marketing, finance, HR. And honestly, security is that matrix organization now where at one time they were just really isolated to whatever IT was doing. Now it's whatever the business is doing. You started to hit on this. What is the change that's happening to security leaders uh, now, the CISO or the CISO, or excuse me, a CSO, whatever that is? What change are you seeing there? What, what change, how's that job getting augmented or what's being added to that, to that basket of responsibility, character? So I think over the course of, of the profession, the security leaders, CISOs, we, we've all tried to center this activity of security and, real, and really believe that we can manage it from a central perspective. And I'd say in, in many cases before this, this disruption really started to occur with, and I'll call it disruption of cloud, there was disruption in ASP. There was all these different types of disruption. We went from owning data centers to doing colos, and they all introduced their own nuance that would affect security of our, our data and systems. But when you, when you look at it, the many paradigms that I mentioned of the past it was all centered around, oh, if we, if we control the organization, then we would be able to affect better security. I think as we're starting to look at what this transformation is doing, and it's more in line with we are now trying to decentralize and build those influences and emissaries in the different groups within DevOps, which is how we're coming up with the term DevSecOps or SecDevOps, depending on which one you believe comes first. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And you're starting to see different positions and organizations come about as well. You know, you'll have a traditional CIO and IT organization, but sometimes in the peer level, you'll have this organization that's called digital transformation, or you'll have an organization that had, these are our our VP of cloud. They're taking a look at all of our, our net new service offerings and how we're going to put them, transform them into the cloud. Well, that's another group now for security to deal with. And do you and do you feel like you can control it from a centralized perspective? Probably not, because it doesn't take much to stand up a service or a product in a in a cloud service provider anymore. So you want to build influence and emissaries and and have the teachable moments and and bring everybody around that hey, this is for the good of the business. We're not trying to stop you. We're just trying to help you understand how we realize all the potential of what you're proposing. Uh, I think that uh, one thing that you that you said there that made me think, if I were a CIO and I started seeing all these other positions pop up, would you be concerned that, hey, maybe I've not, maybe I've not submitted my own career change management request fast enough? 
I mean, do you think that's a, a threat to that old title? I tend to do. I mean, my personal opinion is yes, they, that role will also go through a, a somewhat of a disruption and a transformation as well. I mean, when you look at, we have a lot of technology titles uh, across industries. We have CTOs and we have CIOs, we have CISOs, and the list goes on and on and on of all these different mutations of these technology titles. And when you look at where we're going, well, you have organizations that are are, are tending to move uh, pretty quickly to cloud service providers. And in some cases, that's not under the current CIO's purview. That's under a totally different arm of the business. Sometimes they actually sit in the business and call business transformation. And, you know, we used to have a group, many, if you look at companies many, many years ago, they were called business process reengineering or business process transformation. Same concept here. And those groups never reported into the CIO. They transformed into something else. And I think that's what's going to happen. And what when you don't have data centers, you look at how does that role transform? I don't necessarily think it goes away, but I think it does get disrupted. And it'd be something different than we know it to be today. In that vein, I mean, do you think that there's a day where we won't have a CISO by that title, that it could be called something else? And, and if so, what might it be called? You know, that, that's the million dollar question. My, my peers and I, we, we tend to pontificate about that one all the time. Do, are we, do we become chief risk officers? You know, what, what's the path after CISO in this new world? And honestly, we're still trying to figure that out. And uh, even from uh, a Netsco perspective, we're doing research to try to get and poll CISO's perspectives on this. And we call it Security 2025. We're, we're trying to understand and help our discipline and the security community understand what will be different for us as we approach the year 2025. Yeah, no, I think that's, we, we need to figure that out uh, for many reasons. You know, you mentioned chief risk officer. That's a position that already exists. And that's typically from an audit risk background that's weighing these sort of ephemeral things that are very important. But I think there's two questions there that, that are then, that we st- still remain. One, does the CISO title change, which we kind of covered? And B, what, what's the career path beyond CISO? You know, a, a colleague and, and friend of mine, we were, we were talking about it and saying, hey, as you, as you really look at what security programs are, number one, you manage risk for the organization. And number two, you're, you're building this influence and consensus across the organization that, you know, that we need to do security around certain products and services, and and you turn more into a a marketing executive. How do you market the security program internally? Whether that's through security awareness, whether that's through the overall illustration of how you're managing this risk, because at the end of the day, you have to synthesize something that is very complicated into something that can be consumed by many. And sometimes pictures do it. Sometimes it's, it's quick campaigns. You know, I, I remember that um, one time when I was with a, uh, with a company and we had a security awareness campaign, we called it Loose Lips Sink Ships. And we had this company on top of a ship. And if you told everybody your password or how to get in, you were going to sink the company pretty easily because you gave everybody carte blanche access to it. And they actually gravitated to that. I mean, we, we've talked about 
social engineering and some as in some of my past lives and we had something that looked like a dog but on the other side of it it morphed into a cat it wasn't really what you thought it was and that's all i think that's just marketing at this point and but you're looking for a way to have all of this stuff resonate with your with the community and with you serve so i think some of that you know it may be a natural pre- progression for us to go into the marketing side of the house yeah i i do know i actually know of one cio who was in in marketing before he became a CIO. Uh, I've not seen many changes on the CISO side yet in terms of either a a different higher level position, which I think could happen, maybe up a rung, you know, reporting in at a higher level, certainly not something that's reporting into a CIO. I also think and firmly believe that there will be a analytics and response, maybe even an officer level person or certainly a senior EVP that's responsible for, you know, answering and uh, uh, asking and answering the right questions and then responding to problems. Uh, so it's like an elevated fusion center executive, if you will. I think that's something we'll see sooner than later. And I think there's an iteration there. I mean, you're right. You haven't seen many CISOs transition into to much yet. And I think that's still because of the profession being somewhat still very, very dynamic in nature. You know, there was a time if you look in, you know, all the different um, trade magazines and industry magazines that will tell you, you know, many companies didn't have, you know, low percentages, you know, only 20 percent, 10 percent of companies have uh, CISOs. I mean, it's that number still climbing. Right. I don't know exactly where we are today, but if you go back five years, there's more today than there were five years ago. There's more five years ago than there were 10 years ago. So we're still maturing where every organization did have a CIO. So we're, we're going through those, those maturity processes. But what you have started to see at the same time, I think, is that the CISOs and the CIOs are now peers. And yes. they're starting to report to the CTO. Right, right. Or even higher level than that. And yeah. some, right? sometimes they're direct or at least dot in line into the CEO. I've seen that of late of the last two years, uh, certainly. So that's it, depending on the, the size of the company and, and, you know, if they've had any problems or not, are typically the two, the two drivers there. And I'll say, I don't think it'll take us long. I think uh, everything is so fluid and dynamic, right? We're going to leap dog years over, you know, in the next, you know, two, three, four years, right? So one thing that's now a staple of the show, and I ask this, and we've actually covered a lot of this, but maybe it's a recap question. As the new CISO, the title of the show, what is your definition of the new CISO? So I think the new CISO is we I'll say that in in after everything that we've talked about and some of uh, how we were in our profession, some of the things that didn't work by being very much authoritative in nature, I think those are all legacy skill sets. So I think the the modern CISO is really going to look to embrace this, these changes, embrace change management, and, and actually have a roadmap to how they're going to embrace this change, whether that's moving to the cloud, whether that's moving to hybrid infrastructures, and looking at this in a way where it's a, it's a positive restart for our profession and a restart for all the complexity of, of controls and processes and policies that we've put in place to make it something less friction to the business and realizing that we're in the business of managing risk and realizing that control frameworks 
are just that. They're a framework. But in many of these new paradigms and structures, the control frameworks aren't applicable. Understanding from a business terms that every control that I put in place may actually cost the business something in productivity, cost them actual full monetary money, you know, recognizable dollars and cents that we may not need to spend because of all the friction that it causes. You come back trying your best to simplify that we're looking at our assets, we're managing risk around our data assets, and that's where we should focus our controls. You've heard many, many of the the, the trade magazines and many probably um, webcasts, podcasts, and speeches around move the, the security closer to the data. Absolutely. Absolutely true. We continue to talk about it, but we don't push hard enough or implement the right solutions that get you closer to security to the data. Instead, we keep building on top of what we had before and saying that we believe we're there. It's overly complicated to manage and it's still costing the company a tremendous amount of money, creates a tremendous amount of strife with the workforce. And we believe everything is okay with that at that point. A modern CISO would not. A modern CISO would recognize that we're losing that visibility at that point. We're losing our ability to influence in the organization at that point. And we need to really take a step back and figure out how can we make this change a positive? How can we embed our influence throughout the organization? And how can we demonstrate these achievements together of, of truly being a security, uh, truly security being viewed as a differentiator, as an innovator? And when the business said, I want to move here, we say, we're fine. We're already prepared. Let's move. Fantastic advice. Uh, thank you so much. Lamont, you've been a wonderful guest. I really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. That concludes this episode of the new CISO. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more episodes, suggest a topic or nominate a guest, please visit exabeam.com forward slash podcast.